Uh, I must say that this interview, listeners, that you're about to hear, has been a long time coming, a long time with many complications in the making. Uh, but we're going to be talking to, uh, well, well, we'll do a combination of, of um, say, French-English. Uh, Dennis Kayser or Denis Kayser. Is that pretty good, Dennis? It's exactly true. I mean, in English, they call me Dennis Kayser. The spelling in French is Denis Kayser. Nice. Nice being yeah, here. Yeah, well, you, you have a fabulous product. And it's certainly well worth the wait. Um, maybe we could start out by your give us your title, and then, if you would, could you describe what constitutes Le Gruyere DOP? Well, I think first of all, saying that I have a fantastic product is maybe not the right way of saying it, because it's we have. I mean, Le Gruyere OP is a product that belongs to cheese makers, milk producers, and refiners. It's a bit more than 6,500 people involved in that production of that AOP cheese, AOP meaning that um, protected era in Switzerland. Right. A, pro- a product that's been made now since 1115, a bit more than 900 years of traditions. Really? No. Now, Dennis, you, your pains to point out that the, the, if you like, the, the, the credit belongs to the to the Gruyere producers, but where where is it where does it actually come from? We we had the impression, mistakenly over the years, I guess, that Gruyere Gruyere was a French cheese, but 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 perhaps your version of Gruyere is more authentic and also not too very far from France. So <clears throat> the production is in Switzerland in five cantons and Canton Vaux, Fribourg, Bern, Jura and uh, Fribourg of course. It's a small production area that's protected and today we do have 155 cheese makers and delivering milk it was 155 cheesemakers, around 1,900 milk producers. So wow. back to the history, back to the product. The product is called the Gruyere AOP, and it's a Swiss cheese. There is a Gruyere IGP that belongs to France with a very small production. If we talk about production quantities, uh-huh. they... The total annual production of GRIOP is around 33,000 tons. That is very small compared to uh, the global international production. Never forget, it's not an industrial product. It is a handcraft uh, or GM-free product. Everything, everything goes through the man. Everything goes through the hands of the man, from milking the cows, uh, producing cheese and then refining. Well, it's it's it sure is good. What? How would you describe the characteristics of a well-wrought piece of Gruyere? Every single Gruyere has, and that's make it this great value, 
a different taste, but it follows the same procedures. Uh, what makes it very different is the quality of the milk, using raw milk, first of all, and then through the different milk producer, the cows are having different type, typological of, of grass, depending on the altitude where they graze, and that makes, that makes probably the first difference, the taste. Uh, we always say the taste of Switzerland, that's our USP. Uh -huh. every, single piece, every single piece of cheese, every single wheel has its own taste, but it's everything specific to the procedures that is defined through the AOP procedure. So you will always recognize a Gruyere, but you will always have a different taste, and that makes it very different from different from from other cheeses. Now, now that's, what, what that's interesting. Could you explain that a little bit more? Yeah, by by the different places, um, by the terroir, what we call the terroir related to the AOP, to the places, mm -hmm. um, the the cows not having exactly the same typological of, of herbs, you know. For example, uh -huh. in spring, they'll have uh, flowers. Uh, during, during the summer, the grass will change and be uh, containing less, um, I don't know how the word in English, but there, there, there'll be an effect on the milk and on the taste of that. And interesting is to see that you will always recognize a piece of gruyere, but you will always find a difference. Interesting. Don't forget that we go, we go through a procedures that allows the cheese to be on the market only after five months of refining. The, the procedures uh, oblige the cheese to be refined during five months, where through what we call the taxation, it means that the consortium, the consortiums allow the cheese to become a Gruyere AOP only after five months. And then our different okay. refiners define or decide to refine it a bit longer, you know, to nine, 12, 18 months. We do believe and we do say that the apogee, so that means the, the best time um, of, of eating a Gruyere is around 10 to 12 months. Like a wow. good wine, keep it in a good cellar at the right temperature and bring it to the best, the best time of eating it. Approximately yeah. 12 months. Now, help, help me to clarify something that's worrying in my mind. And then I have another question after that. But you, you talk of Gruyere as a raw milk cheese. But, but, but you just described the cheeses as being stored for a long time. What, what, is, it, is there a terminology difference, or is it, some, is it something I'm just not getting right? Oh, you, you, you got it right. I mean, we use raw milk. That raw milk is, uh, is converted into cheese through the procedures we have to to way to to way of eating eating not eating 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 the cheese. The first first uh, the first cook and then a second cook and using raw milk and not pasteurized 
pasteurized milk right, right. allows 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 the cheese to have that that incredible flavor. Then the cheese the cheese when it's made it stays it stays uh, at the cheese maker place. So the cheese maker keep the cheese during the first three months. And after three months, the cheese will leave, will leave the cheese um, maker to go to the cheese seller. And a cheese seller is a natural... Can you still hear me? Yeah. Yeah, It's a natural cheese seller where the cheese has to be refined at minimum of five months. And as you might pay attention, I'm always talking about cheese until that five months because through a process, through a quality control that is done by the quality person from the consortium, we do check every single piece, every single wheel, and allow the cheese to become a Gruyere OP. And that is the time, exactly after five months, that you can start having the young Gruyere that is called the Gruyere Classique oh. on the market. And that's the first typological or the first type of Gruyere, the Gruyere Classique. And oh. between five and, and nine months, uh, it has this denomination. Once it gets to 10 months of refining, we call it Reserve. And from there on, the refiners through a specific way of, of taking care or taking care of the cheese, they bring them they bring it to 18, 20, 22 months, 24 months, two years. Wow. As we say and as we believe, 12 months is really the projet where where it's at the best taste. So that's you, you, one. Go ahead, Dennis. So that's that's one Gruyere, one one typical Gruyere, the Gruyere. And then we have a Gruyere that we made during the summertime from June to end of September up in the mountain. And it's the Gruyere d'Alpage oh, yeah. Aupé. And this yeah, Gruyere d'Alpage Aupé is also uh, an AOP Gruyere that is made into 55 specific Alpage cheese dairies. And those cheese dairies um, have a difference with what we call village dairies. And those alpage dairies do their cheese on an open fireplace using wood. And that makes it sometimes this specific, you know, I hate saying woodish or woody, wood, wood, wood taste, but it has an, an environment um, that is related with the DNA of, of the place. You know, imagine, imagine a fire up the mountain into a curb. Uh, um, I mean, it's, 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 it's a DNA that's very specific to that production made only in summer, June to October. So we have those two types of, of, of cheeses. Hold on a minute, Dennis. Let me, let me clarify something that I, that I considered important. It may not, may, may not be important at all, but a, n- a number of countries and places in France and Italy that we've, that we've been to, they, they have a practice of managing their 
cattle in a, in a distinct yeah. way that be called tra- transhumance or something like that. So, so yeah. d- during the winter time, they will stay close close to the farmhouse, if you like, and then in the in the summertime, their their cattle are driven up to the up to the mountains, and as a, as a result, they get very different kinds of grass and, and a whole exactly. different product. Just as a result of this thing they call in in Italy, I know they call it the transhumance. And I don't know what, what it's called in in Swiss French, but I'm sure sure it's something similar to that. The word in French in Swiss in the part of of the, the Gruyere is called the in Alp, so going up the Alp, and Got it. going Alp. down going down is the des Alpes, and it it's the French word for transhumance. Um, okay. uh-huh. It's no, the I, in Alp and the and the desalp. Now I do have another question related to that. I guess are, are the cows of a particular breed? What's what's a breed? Sorry about that. Well, breed. Like a, like a Jersey cow or. A, uh, no no no. So we <laughs> that's a question that often comes. Uh, we are not defining the cows. But, oh, okay. You know we we have a typical Alsteiner. Uh, they are the mostly used, but um, it is it is mostly Holstein, yes, that that are okay. used. Or yes. now, now I have another now I have another question because quite quite recently we interviewed someone who is involved with the production of chocolate using yep. among other among other things. Swiss boy milk. Yep. Is 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 that is that the is are they producing that in the same area or is it coming from a different part of Switzerland? You said Lucerne part. No, it's called milk milk boy. Milk boy chocolate. Oh, boy chocolate. I know. I know the guy. I met the guy. Um, you know the guy. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I know the guy. I met him at the fancy food, actually. Yeah. Um, well, you meet everybody at the fancy food show, right? I met him. Um, I don't know exactly which part is producing the milk. The uh-huh. thing is, and, and I think it's an important uh, point and an important topic, the milk that is used for chocolate is considered mostly as what we call industrial milk. Got it. Oh, okay. Um, um, we have a specific procedures for the GRIOP milk that doesn't allow what we call ensilage. I mean, the grass yeah. that is used for uh, producing Gruyere is made only on site, in situ. That means on the production. And the milk cannot be delivered to a cheesemaker further than a distance of 20 kilometers. So that's wow. uh, 13, 13, 13 miles. And due to that very restrictive 
expectation we have for milk, at the moment, the milk price we pay is the highest price in the world. Really? And we pay per liter today approximately uh, 95, 95 Swiss, so close, close to a dollar per liter. And, well, the gallon is 4.2 liter, so I would yeah. say 4.2 dollar a gallon. So, so, what, so, you so, when you, so when you get it, you better enjoy it, huh? <laughs> well, it is, it is a security for the quality. Yeah. Yes, yes. We, we, you know, without, with, I'm always saying, without the cows, without the milk, we are nothing. It's a natural product. When we talk about 33,000 tons, um, we can't push on a button and produce 4,000 tons more. You know? Right. We have that defined quantities related to the protected area. And right. that's pretty, right. much, pretty much where we are and where we can produce. Um, and we're happy with that. Now, is there a, um, a, a standard flavor profile at all involved with this cheese? So there's an aroma. Yeah, there is, there is a specific aroma, 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 aroma wheel um, that we, we divide in flowers, then we divide it in milky, then we divide it in animal taste, and then we divide it into food taste. So that's the basic part of this aroma. And then we go for sure into the, the vanilla sweetness. So I would, I would consider a young, what I call a young gruyere of five months to a very sweety, uh, nutty uh, aroma taste. And the more it gets refined, you get to wilderness, wilderness, wilderness taste, you know, taste that goes into very aromatic, uh, more, more, more spicy, not salty, but more, more, more powerful. And the, 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 old, the older or the, the, the refiner it gets, it'll come back to what I call um, the wild part. It goes back to a cow taste, you know, like leather, oh, yeah, like... Yeah. like 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 wild, so that's really? that's the, the the aromatic will starts from flower, back to the basic vanilla flowers, apricots, very very fresh young, and the more it gets mature, it comes back to the cow. You know, it's a circle. <laughs> but it's, very it's like, it, it, uh, is there a preferred flavor profile um, uh, on uh, the, your your customer base or? If you know what I mean, yeah. is there like a standard yeah. that you apply to whether it's a successful um, a Gruyere or not? I, you know, my answer is uh, is always you have to taste it. But I can I can give you a very marketing answer on that. I would say that 60, 70 percent of 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 the people will prefer a young a young classic Gruyere, the one that has the normal taste, um, and then from there, 
we get into the connoisseur person. You see, I like the aged one you, that you sent. I like that better. It was much stronger. Yeah, but you're connoisseur, you, you, and you're, you're, you know, it's, it's like wine tasting. People starting with something very sweety or that goes on to right. grapey sweetness, and then you go to this tannin, tannin taste or, or, or specific woods and and the older it gets it's the same with the cheese you know i would say young 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 people um they they mostly start with with classic young cheeses and more you get into a connoisseur or you're expecting something from your cheese you'll have it refined specifically and that will be the job then from the refiners and also from some specific cheesemongers that will keep good health to the cheese to bring it to 20, 22 months. But that's the top, top, top of the iceberg. I mean, it's really a niche market, very, very small market. I think, really? I think, you, sent us, I think you sent us some of that and a number of, a number of other samples. And I have to say, we will, we will fall down. We're, we're, out, we're out of Gruyere. It's a terrible situation. <laughs> Peter loved the Gruyere. That's beautiful. Yeah. Um, I we'll, make sure, we'll make sure to send. We'll make sure to oh, send. Oh, okay. <laughs> we, um, I, I have a very stupid question. is Why does it melt so easily and so well? It's the quantity of fat that allows okay. that. And it's the quality of milk. Uh, as it's not saturated, it's... Uh, through the procedures of raw milk that we only bring it to 37 degrees, you know, we keep all, okay. the, all the fat into, into the cheese and that allows it to melt it that way. And so that's part it of its characteristic, isn't it? It is, it is, it is one of the parts that, that does define the Gruyere that you can eat it by hand, enjoy it, but either you can add it into cooking and uh, pairing it with vegetable, with gratin, and being very creative, you know. There are some people using it as, as instead of salt, they'll use, they'll use cheese, they'll use gray oh, really? to, <laughs> yeah, to, to, to add to add the missing salt to, to what they're cooking, you know, to to a gravy, to... There's some very creative uh, cook, not only three Michelin stars, but, you know, nice uh, people cooking at home. Um, it belongs... The GRP belongs to this culinary, I would say, culinary culture. Okay, so, so in other words, it's not just a rarefied cheese that you find only in... in uh, uh, star restaurants. No, I mean, it has and, a home life. And, yeah, and we do not, and we do not communicate, or, or you know, if we talk marketing-wise, we, I try personally to avoid what I say: those three big stars, chefs, and who wants to promote Le Gruyere OP, because we believe mm -hmm. it's really, a, it's a family product. It's a premium okay. product for sure. It's a premium product. It's a connoisseur product. Um, but it allows you even to make a mac and cheese incredible. Uh -huh. 
Yeah, well, because it, um, it, 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 it does. It does. <laughs> I know, it does. Even a grilled cheese sandwich. <laughs> yeah, it does. It's yeah. great for that, too. <laughs> but, but, by the yeah. way, here's, here's, a, here's a piece of obscure information that you can take away from this interview. It's called, Who, Who Introduced Mac and Cheese into the United States? I don't know. And? I don't know. And the, and the, the answer is Thomas Jefferson. Thomas okay. Jefferson. <laughs> because pre- President, okay. President Jefferson was something of a yep. farmer anyway. Yeah. But, yep. but, but, he, but he spent a good deal of time as foreign secretary to the new to France. Yeah. USA country. So he lived for a long period of time in Paris in and, Paris, and yeah. developed a taste for mac and cheese. Probably, probably, into, probably developed a taste for Gruyere AOP too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and see, what what I'm always saying, I mean, cheese cheese is part of life, and yes. last year, in 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 23, Le Gruyere OP made what we call the the first cheese Grand Chelem. Just you probably know that, or otherwise, yeah. Um, there are there are four there are four different awards in the world that is given given to cheeses the wisconsin award the world champ the world championship in wisconsin yeah. there is uh le mondial du fromage or il mondial del cuejo so once once a year wow. it's in in Rennes, and the other year it's in sao paulo it's the mondial then there's yeah. the world wow. cheese award the world cheese award and there's the swiss cheese award and the gruyere op has been nominated uh, first and best cheese at all those four uh, championships last year, and none of cheese never ever has ever done that. You know, and well, that was, that's, that's just amazing. Yeah, that's, that's the just mean, true. spectacular cheese. I mean, Peter was so enamored with this cheese. It shows the quality. It shows that. It's a specific taste, and our, our, our colleagues and very respected, you know, uh, friends from Parmigian Reggiano or, or, or Conte OP, as I say, they, they, they look at the Gruyere OP like, wow, I mean, this is, this is an, incredible, an incredible result, but it shows the serious that is behind, and it's what, how you, where you started, you know, that I have a fantastic product. I'm just in charge mm-hmm. of a fantastic product, representing all those people working together. And never forget the never forget the cows. You know, the cows are important. Yes. Well, well I mean, nature. You, nature. You you present a really great picture of of your cheese um, because of it, you you recognize um, that. I don't know how to describe it. It's the underlying, uh, the wow factor of of this hand production, which is, I think, the thing that really sets it apart. It comes, it comes from Mother Nature. You know, if, yes. if we started, if we started making cheese in 1115, was to 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 keep milk, in a way of yes, not right, right, of right. not losing it. 
so we, we converted it in, into cheese and all, all, all around the world. And I think this is, this is something important about the philosophy of cheese, of Le Gruyere OP, but also from our, our competitors that I, I do respect. Because I always say that we're not the best cheese in the world. We are one of the king be, between other kings. It's just a matter of taste because it's, 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 it's choosing. It's, at the end of the day, it's the client, it's the public, it's the consumer that decide what he wants to eat. What we decide and what we want to say is that we have the respect of the cows, the sustainability, and, and, and doing, it, doing it right, you know. And there are 6,000 6, people behind one piece of cheese that comes on your table at the end of the day, you know. That's something that's Amazing. important. Now, the, the, good, the yeah. good news, Dennis, is, is you're, you're here in the United States, so you're going to make sure that there's a never-ending supply of this cheese that you've described so eloquently this afternoon. And, yeah. and, and, we, well. we, and we, thank, we thank you for that. And we wish you great success as you undoubtedly would like to expand the number of cheese wheels that you sell. Thank you very much for your time. Thank you for your attention. I appreciate that. Well, and with well, pleasure. With pleasure. It's, it's, it's been a, tr- it's been a um, journey. <laughs> but as, as um, uh, one of the Jesse said, would recognize that it was certainly worth all, all the weight and all the effort. Um, again, uh, listeners, seek out the Gruyere DOP cheese and find out which form of it appeals to you the most because it does have different forms, as we said. Um, and, um, you know, my, my vote is for the well-aged cheese, but who am I? <laughs> Thank you very okay. much. I hope you have a really wonderful time at the uh, Fancy Food Show in Las Vegas. And um, uh, do you think Las Vegas is crazy? I guess you've been there many times. Listen, I was here the first time in 87 back. Uh, <laughs> and it's, fun, it's, it's funny because I'm staying in a brand new hotel that is close to the Circus Circus. But Las Vegas is for me Sin City, and it's not where I feel more comfortable. And I'm really <laughs> looking forward to go to go what I call back home next week in Montana in my little place called Big Fork in Kalispell, looking and visiting the family. So, but Vegas is business, and what happened in Vegas, stay in Vegas. Yeah, I, I was in Vegas once, and, and I, my mother was a fan of Vegas, and she was um, in her last years, and, and um, she wanted to go in the worst kind of way, so I took her. Uh, in a wheelchair, okay. <laughs> I took her to Vegas, and after yeah. Yeah. two days there, I called Peter Frantic saying, "I don't think I could survive this." <laughs> but that's a story for another. That's a story. That's a story for another day. Another day, uh, but anyhow, you know, uh, the, the fancy food show though is certainly a revelation, and you're sure to have uh, to be well fed and well informed from your year for three days there and Dennis I'm glad to finally get to, to meet you and talk to you and thank you again enormously thank you 
Podcasting services for On The Menu Radio are provided by ASP Station, www.aspstation.net. Well, back in the day, <laughs> we talked to Pat Ford of VIGs about the company and its products in t- December 2009. So wow. I'm, I'm sure a lot has happened since then, and uh, including endless awards, uh, which we'll talk about in a minute. Um, tell us, first of all, who, why, and how did Beehive Cheese Oh, Beehive is, of course, you're Beehive State. Beehive right. State. Yeah, and um, how did this all start? What's the backstory here? Oh, my goodness. It's just, my wife just says that I was having a midlife crisis, and I think she was pretty correct about that. <laughs> but my brother-in-law is my business partner, Tim Welsh, and we literally have been working together since high school. We had a landscaping company back in high school. We mowed our way through college, and he went into the finance business, and I went into real estate, and we both did that for like 20 years. And wow. he called me up one day and said, uh, let's quit our jobs and go make cheese. And <laughs> we got a pretty good chuckle out of it. And we here we are, 20, 18 years later. So it's just been such a fun journey. And um, so Tim, you know, I don't know if he's had a crystal ball, but if you think back in the early 2000s, there was a handful of really great artisan American cheeses out there, but not very many. And about the 2003, 4, 5 there was a real renaissance with American artisan cheesemakers. And so we, uh, we ran up to Utah State, which has a major uh, dairy science program. So and that's how you learned to make wanted, cheese. That's how we learned to make cheese. We took a four-day short course in cheesemaking. You never days, made so cheese before that? I never – no, I didn't even know – good cheese hardly. I didn't grow up on great <laughs> cheese because it really didn't exist too much. I mean, you can yeah, get right. it. But. The funniest thing is most, so. most, most people don't, don't know this, but across the United States, every, every state has a land-grant university of some, of some nomenclature, like a Utah state, for example. Yes. Yep. And, 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 and the, those universities were created and funded because of a desire on the part of the, the government of the period, if you like, to, to, to have a flourishing agriculture. And I, I, have, to, I have to say, until, until we talk to you and a number of other people, I never even knew that Utah was, a, was an agricultural state. Right. <laughs> I, exactly. I, I, pictured it, I pictured it as being fo- foggy and around a big lake. Yeah, yeah right. <laughs> Well, and part of their charter is to transfer technology to the private sector. And when we went up there and we actually had a business plan and they kind of saw that this was happening a little bit, then all of a sudden they're like, oh, okay, we've been working on this cheese for like the last 60 years and it it was (laughs) called Old Old Juniper. That was their cheese. And they, 
made it at their little creamery and they would sell it to the students and they made a little ice cream. But when they saw that we were serious, they said, will you commercialize our recipe? And so uh. our cheese is Promontory. We renamed it. And it's Utah State's recipe. And so we had 40, 60 years of experience in our back pocket when we started, wow. thank goodness. Oh, yeah. And then we started making a nice white cheddar. It was awesome. And in fact, it's our most award-winning cheese, which is a really important fact because um, we started doing experiments with rubbed rind. And yeah, part that of that was that your hallmark, yeah. It really is. Part of it was out of necessity because it's so stinking dry here. We could not <laughs> age our cheese because it would just crack. There was nothing oh, yeah. we could do to, to fight Mother Nature. And so we said, you know, if we can't beat her, let's figure out a different way. And we were, it was like February after we started making cheese in September of, the, of 2005. And Tim had this crazy idea. You put cream in coffee why not put coffee on cream? And so we rubbed some <laughs> coffee on the cheese, and I had a crazy idea. I wanted to make kind of a Utah cheese, and we're known for salt and honey, the beehive state. And we rubbed a little honey and salt on, and Tim did the little coffee and lavender. We forgot about the experiments. We put them back in the cooler, and and just before we went to the American Cheese Society conference, which was in Portland that year, we had a family party. We pulled the cheeses out of the cooler, and we tasted them, and we're like, we were kind of blown away. But again, we didn't know what we were doing, and we said, well, let's go get some peer review. So we took it up to Portland, and we had a few people taste it, and they were just absolutely clamoring over these cheeses. And so wow. we ended up getting an order for holiday by a, a big grocery store chain down in Texas, um, you know, H-E-B. Uh -huh. They have a subsidiary company called Central Market, and they ordered some cheese. And then long story short, from that first batch of cheese that we made, we grabbed a wheel, and the next year in Burlington, Vermont, at the American Cheese Society competition, we enter Barely Buzzed, and it takes first place. And it's like all of a sudden, Yahoo's from Utah, what they're doing out there, they don't know. But we didn't know what we couldn't do, and we liked it. It tasted good, and people seemed to like it. And so why not? So it really solved multiple problems. It was We solved our humidity problem because we – rub the cheese, we put it in a cryovac bag, and we suck it down, we vacuum it down, so we didn't have the humidity problem. And our nice white cheddar that's not that interesting, all of a sudden we had something that was very interesting, like what is that on the cheese? And <laughs> you say it's coffee, and they raise their eyebrows, and all of a sudden they're like, well, I don't know if I want to taste that, but then when they do, they say, Wow, that's really good. Now you make one, you make one with tea as well, so it's not, it's not, we do. It's not just we it's do not it. just coffee, and it's rather nope. famous tea. Yeah, it's an Earl Grey, and it, that was a kind of a fun story too. We were my we were in Portugal in southern Portugal in April, 
and all the orange blossoms in the countryside were in bloom, and it just smelled mm. amazing. And my wife says, why don't we make a cheese that tastes like this smells? <laughs> and I talked to Tim, and Tim thought of the bergamot in Earl Grey tea, uh-huh. which is that floral, citrusy, bright, clean. And we rubbed it on, and it was just a match made in heaven, you know, instantly. Wow. Now, tell, tell, tell our listeners a little bit about, about the structure of agriculture in, in Utah, because it, it's got to be a little bit different than perhaps Pennsylvania or oh, I, Louisiana <laughs> or any other, any other place. I mean, or even Wisconsin. <laughs> you would have to think you know, the structure people, of business would be a little bit different. Yeah, people think of Utah, they think of, you know, the national parks down south, which are the arches and beautiful canyons. And then there's an awful lot of sagebrush and desert, high mountain desert. But in in northern Utah, there's a lot of um, agriculture, um, hay, alfalfa, corn. Um, so there, it's, it's sustainable here. And um, our dairy is just about 15 miles from us. We've been working with them, a single-source dairy, ever since the beginning. and They, they provide all your milk. milk. They do. They are a beautiful dairy, and they provide amazing um, milk. They're Jersey cows and Holstein mixed herd. And so... It, that was it, like my you know, great-uncle's dairy farm, that mix. Uh-huh. Yeah. No, this is your this is your dairy. This is your dairy farm. It is not our dairy farm. No, okay. I, I want to have a life. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, no. I mean, and my great uncle Frank had no life at all with those cows. Oh, I know it. They do a beautiful job. They're a fourth generation dairy. They make the beautiful milk, and we take it and we make the beautiful cheese, and it's just a fabulous <laughs> thing. When people do farmstead, I'm like, I admire him. Then I'm like, shake my head, like, you guys are crazy. So. Interesting, interesting story for you to respond to. Just, just a, two or three weeks ago, I guess, sweetheart, wasn't it? We interviewed a man who represented Gruer cheese. Being, uh-huh. being, made yeah, yeah. In, being made in Switzerland. Yep. And, and, it, and it was very fine to you. You're probably familiar with it. VOP, yeah. Because it's Absolutely. really good stuff. But the, the, what was I, was I going to say? I've, I don't know. I've, 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 I've forgotten what I was going to say. No, no, now I remember. A, a characteristic of the Gruyere cheesemakers and dairy farms in in Italy and in Austria and in places like that, they they have a custom that they that they, the herds are they're they're what do they do? Are you talking about they, they do the the, the transhumans? You remember that, sweetheart? Yeah, human thing. Yeah. So so the the, the, the flock the flocks of sheep go. Up into the mountains in spring and summertime, and mm-hmm. back and back back down, and on the opposite season. And it's been a tradition in cheese making in Europe for only six or seven hundred years. Right, exactly. You, you've never well, done one anything thing like that. that. One thing that's unique about our herd is, I mean, we're. We are, we're at about 5,000 
um, feet in elevation, so it can okay, get really cold okay. here. Last yes. week in, in Utah, up in the mountains, it was 61 degrees below zero. So it was oh, no. the oldest oh, spot yeah. in the nation. And we can get up to 110 degrees during the summer. So, you know, our our dairies, their cream and their proteins and their milk fluctuate drastically based on the yeah. seasons. And so we've had the ebb and flow, and some of our cheeses like lots of cream and fat, and others don't. And so we have to just test every batch because we do not standardize our milk. We take what the cows give us, oh, and nice. we just... We make sea hive, for instance, in the in the summer when it doesn't when they're not producing so much um, fat. Whereas in the winter, um, our like our Red Butte Hatch Chili cheese, our Barely Buzz, they love all the fat you can throw at them. So it's just we have to kind of see what Mother Nature's given us, and then we adapt. So, so you're not you're not moving the herd. You're you're. Uh... Do, do, doing what? Doing what? You said what? Whatever, whatever the cream is they give you, you can figure out how to use it. Yep, we can. Our dairy, uh, we're not as quite as romantic as going up on the Alps to make cheese. There you but go. Our cows give us really <laughs> beautiful milk. <laughs> they get to look at the mountains. They don't get to go wander on. on them. <laughs> well, I mean, you certainly turn out a fine cheese. I'm surprised you have so many varieties. And, and it keeps expanding. Tell us a little bit about that. Well, we have tried to be very disciplined in our in our growth. We didn't want to have a hundred different you know flavors and such. But we talked about promontory, which is our base um, cheddar, and then we'll rub different things on the rinds and we'll experiment. And if we love the experiment, we we make it into a cheese. And if we don't love it, we feed it to the kids or um, (laughs) say, that didn't work out very well. But um, we just are always just kind of brainstorming. We got a call a few years back from uh, Basil Hayden Bourbon, and they said, we want to collaborate with a cheesemaker and make a cheese. And so we grabbed some bottles of Basil Hayden, and we washed the cheese in it and aged it a little bit. That's called Pour Me a Slice. Pour me a slice, and it's just a great <laughs> cheese. And um, it's fun to have a partner that says, you know, they, they're, they're after a whole market to get people to sip a little bourbon and eat a little cheese. And so it's fun how we cross, you know, cross-pollinate different industries. And that was a fun one. Another one that was real fun was our Queen Bee Porcini. Marcus. Oh, that's, yeah, that's fabulous. Yeah, I love that cheese. My boy dreamt that up, and we produced it. And then um, a year and a half ago in Spain at the World Cheese Awards, we ended up taking um, the only um, domestic super gold for the year. So we were the only U.S. producer that got a super gold that year with that Queen Bee Portugal. Wow. So that was fun. Well, I mean, you sound like you're having a lot more fun than, than working in the office industry. <laughs> Oh, absolutely. And our kids are now kind of, not kind of, our kids are taking over our, the reins now. Tim has two oh, yeah. boys that are in the in the business, and I've got a son and a daughter. And we've all had every one of our kids at some point involved. But right now, they're running the show, and 
they're trying to get us to stay out of the way because they've got new <laughs> exciting ideas. Well, of course, you're very lucky to do that because a lot of the um, really great uh, um, boutique kind of artisanal um, cheese makers and, and chocolate makers as well, they right. reach a point where the kids just aren't interested, uh-huh. you know, and, and then they end up having to, to sell to some big uh, national brand of some sort. Right, right. Yeah. So, um, well, so you've stopped with expansion, then you have one, two, three, four, five, as I counted, rubs on your cheese, right? We have a few more than that. We have a apple walnut smoked. We have a hatch chili cheese. Yeah, I have that Red Butte. I love that one. Um, we've got a Big John's Cajun, which is a fun. A chef from Park City showed up and made cheese with us one day and brought a bag of Creole rub, and we rubbed it on the cheese, and that's You're been a kidding. great cheese. That's it's fun. just a great cheese. So we've got about 10 cheeses. We have a Bivino where we rub a little wine must on the outside of the cheese. That's a fun one. <laughs> but again, we, we try to limit it because it's tough to keep in inventories of, you know, 100 cheeses. We're not that smart. <laughs> now, now your your packaging is very interesting. Come, you, you, I can I can thaw one of your little packs when I get up in the morning, and it and it will be warm and friendly by the time I get my lunch and I cut a piece off. Yeah, he doesn't mean thaw. He means put bring to room temperature. <laughs> Yes, yes, exactly. Go. We're not freezing your cheese. No, no, no don't no, freeze no. it. <laughs> I know, I know. No, but, but that, and you know I, that's. I haven't seen that. I haven't seen a package like that before. Well, we've done. I mean, there's multiple markets that we go after. Obviously, we Got do it. food service where we sell to restaurants and institutions, but then we would sell to cheese shops that would cut and wrap the cheeses. And that's a good portion of our business. But I'll tell you what happened when COVID hit. We were well on our way. Back in about 2017, we developed our four-ounce individually wrapped wedge. And I'll tell you, when COVID hit and all the delis shut down and all the cheese shops didn't have labor to cut cheese, because we had those exact weight wedges and they were – already wrapped, they were able to put those in the cases to to help sustain our business. And that was a very important portion of of our sustain in business during COVID. Oh, it's very handy. I haven't seen that kind of packaging on, on anybody else's cheese, though. It was really helpful you know, to, for storing and, and consuming in a reasonable time frame. And it really exactly. was very efficient yeah well that's good we were fortunate to have because it you know it takes work to get to that stage but we were fortunate to have it and we ended up getting in a lot of um, grocery store chains and we've managed to stay in most of them which is a you know it's easy to get in but it's not easy to stay in over right. the years yeah I mean the uh, uh, the, the whole hospitality industry and, and, and special product 
industry, uh, food product industry, really has been hit so hard. I mean, fortunate they were well coordinated in what your goal was before this COVID thing hit. Right. And then our, you know, online business went totally berserk during 2020 and 2021. So we were able to, again, ebb and flow and and adapt and go where we needed to go. And, and, you know, when you're a small company and, and you just don't have multiple layers of bureaucracy, we say, okay, guys, what are we going to do to survive? And, and this is uh-huh. it. And then you go with it. You don't have to wait around for weeks and months for decisions. Yeah. So get her done. You, you, you know Mary Keene, no doubt. Uh-huh. What a dog. I, 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 we were talking once, and I, I asked her why she started making goat cheese. And she said, I was a single mother with three children. What else was I supposed to do? <laughs> right, right, absolutely. Yep. Well, so what What are your long-term plans here? You're just going to, I mean, you're going to keep doing what you're doing, right? We are. You know, um, at some point, my partner and I will retire, but we're training our kids right now, and they're training us, and we're just having fun. <laughs> trying to figure out what we're doing, but, you know, we just keep growing, and um, we've got a following, and we're just keeping doing what we're doing. Our slogan is making friends with cheese, and Uh we make one at a time, and and hopefully we'll keep them as friends indefinitely, and so we just are always looking to be more efficient and do things better, and um, we've just been very fortunate. We've had a lot of fun doing what we're doing. Well, you sound like it. Now, one one uh, detail that we have to deal with um, is how do people get your cheese? Of course, it's so much easier now than when I talked to you the last time. <laughs> All right, for sure. Absolutely. So tell me, what's the best way for people to access your cheese? Well, I love it when they'll go into their local grocery store and they'll say, boy, I wish you were carrying beehive cheese. And yeah, they'll say, exactly. oh. And then, then they call a distributor and they get it. Um, we distribute throughout the country, and um, we have many, many retailers that we work with. But that's actually beneficial to us. They'll say, I wish I had some Barely Buzz to try, and they'll bring it in. Um, we also sh- send on, online at our website, beehivecheese.com. We, we ship cheese all over the country. But obviously, it's easier to walk into your local cheese shop or market and buy it locally if you can. And and, and keep on entering those con- competitions and winning because <laughs> that's that's great to have on record. I mean, yeah, you have so many accolades. <laughs> Would you ever have believed this, Pat? I mean, if you thought about it the way back in the beginning. Oh my gosh. So this is a story that I love to tell and it's true. My, I was literally on my way to Florida to do some business, um, a real estate thing. And Tim says, we need to talk when you get home and, and I, I can't wait five minutes for anything. And he says, we need to quit our jobs and go make cheese. And, and that's literally what he said. And so my whole way to Florida, it was a night flight. I was looking down and I'm like, there's a house. I bet I'm in Louisiana or something. Or <laughs> Arkansas, or, and I'll see a light, and I'll say, I wonder if that house down there will ever buy our cheese. And I was just dreaming, and 
I'll tell you, with the amount of packages we send out and the amount of retailers, I'm sure there were a light or two that I saw that actually have bought our cheese. So it's been pretty fun. <laughs> well, it's been wonderful talking to you again and getting an update, uh, Pat Ford. And uh, listeners, it's, it, you have to check out this. I mean, Peter is going to go into withdrawal from not having it. <laughs> he, he, <laughs> he said to it all the time, it's beehive cheese, and, and it comes from the beehive state, uh, which you, know, you all should know. So um, continued success, Pat oh, Ford. Oh, you're so sweet. Yeah, and, and and we just so and so enjoy talking to you again and hearing about your wonderful success. And thank success you to you too. Thank you.